The Invented World In 1969, man stepped on the moon and the fifth dimension proclaimed This is the age of Aquarius The future, it seemed, had arrived In fact, in Britain at least, the future was delayed Possibly because of traffic light failure near a significant roundabout Maybe because of an engineering problem at the depot. Almost definitely, because in Britain, the future is like a bus. It didn't arrive until several people at the bus stop had given up and gone home. Exactly 52 years and five months after it was due, for those of us who still wait at the stop, who have persevered through candlelit suppers of smash and fish fingers during the three-day week, who remember the brown Austin Allegro as a talisman for unworkability, whose children were born at the bus stop and were educated alone inside their headphones because of lockdowns, who find themselves asking the others in the queue to remind them what the date is because BBC4 are rerunning all creatures great and small in the age of Aquarius. The bus has arrived. Now Captain Mannering has been absorbed by new generations. England still can't take penalties, and none of us are sure what time it is. Today, as you hear this, the good news can be proclaimed. This is not a false dawn. The future has finally arrived. Step onto the bus. We're sorry we're late. There were issues with the hydraulic rams, the ones which mean, should you want to, you can slide on. When this bus set off, it was powered by Derv. It had a conductor with a fag on and a ticket machine slung around his neck, dangling at a jaunty angle next to his hip, like a cowboy's water bottle. During the 52 years, it's been ploughing towards you. It's become driverless. A sat-nav system enables everybody to watch the progress of the bus on screens screwed into the chairs in front of them so that they can ignore the windows. And the conductor died. He was buried at Birchhanger Service Station, where the disused coin-op concrete toilet installation has been designated an ovoid cenotaph, a memorial to the unknown ticket collector, with its cashless swipers, its surveillance cameras and its waterless wipers. This bus is not from the future. It is the future. Look around you. The world has changed. We have finally reached the age of Aquarius. What follows is an exploration of this new future, a kind of today's world for people who missed tomorrow's world. Carefully selected for your enjoyment are some of our greatest ideas, inventions and thoughts that prove today is, at last, tomorrow. The Institute of Nowism for the Department 
of surfaces. Trouser suits. The first trouser suits were developed in Britain by members of London's exclusive literary conclave, the Bloomsbury Group. Head writer and modernist mastermind Virginia Woolf wrote in a much revered short story, The Trademark on the Wall. And now my mind wanders. Would it be possible to make a suit that men and women could share? Obviously not the same one. I would sooner die than march around spreading pipe tobacco from my leaky pockets, addicting myself to scrumpy or whatever it is they keep in their hip flasks, and constantly talking about Harlequin's rugby club. I mean a suit that is essentially the same. Is it not likely that women who don't drop tobacco, drink scrumpy and think about rugby all day will benefit tremendously from this equalising design. Those words were written even before Neil Armstrong set foot on planet Moon. And yet Wolf and the fashion houses that picked up on her idea were able, after strong resistance from men, to create workable trouser suits. At first, these trouser suits were used in military and healthcare scenarios because of their practical nature. Women who wore them found that now they had been freed from the metal hoops and whalebone corsets that were used to confine them. They could outcompete men who used their own suits as storage devices rather than clothing. However, it was not until the trouser suit featured in an episode of Blake's Seven, the BBC's groundbreaking science fiction drama from 1978, which posed the interesting question, hitherto regarded as ridiculous by everybody in the scientific community, what if the universe is actually British, and what if everybody in the universe wears trouser suits? The trouser suits were finally accepted. Today, you'll see trouser suits everywhere. That is because you are now in the future. The Sinister Kettle The British equivalent to Silicon Valley, where Apple, Samsung, Google, Intel, Cisco and a host of others congregate in the San Francisco Bay Area, is, as always, a roundabout in London. Here to compete with the success of Amazon's Alexa, a Trojan horse which enters people's houses by promising to play music and sucks out data until the residents are no more than human husks, British tech giant Cosmo Holdings created the Sinister Kettle, which achieves similar results by kindly offering boiling water for brewing into tea. This device, unlike Alexa, is capable of more than passive surveillance. Rather like James Bond's sunglasses, it can explode in a matter of seconds. The kettle can also be used as a bludgeon to attack intruders with and, when filled with petrol, it is soon transformed into a flamethrower. The kettle is also connected to the Internet of Things, 
This network, largely unknown outside the UK, gives it the power of speech. By using the pedal on the right, users of the sinister kettle are able to choose between a number of conversational modes. These are displayed along the blue visualisation strip in much the same way as electric organs would offer keyboardists an extensive menu of rhythmic backing tracks, ranging from, for example, rumba to cha-cha-cha, with tones such as strings, harpsichord and techno for anyone wanting to experiment with way-out stuff. The sinister kettle can be tuned to enhance views cybernetically extruded from the databanks of British newspapers. On Daily Express, the sinister kettle will ramp up your complaints and blame the European Union. On Daily Mail, Russians and other foreigners, including Welsh, Jamaican and Scottish people, can be included in the blame culture. On the other hand, for tea drinkers keen to reminisce over Jeremy Corbyn's seminal trip to the Glastonbury Festival, the Guardian-Corbyn mode offers a perfect alternative to any human being. This kettle atomizes our existences to a degree never conceived of in Silicon Valley and proves that today is indeed tomorrow. Space issues. Millennial hipsters, especially those actually born in the year 2000, come of age in the future. It's 21 years since they began their journey to adulthood and many of them will be leaving university this year. As they stare wide-eyed and blinking at the world around them, they will see that several of the predictions technologists made how the future would be when they were young, turned out to be wrong. In the future, there is no money. Our cards and telephones zap transactions from bank to bank without needing our attention. At a deeper level, even the concept of money has changed, perhaps because we dislike cash. In the future, we live with not money. Debt underpins the way government works. After the financial crisis and the Covid crisis, governmental debts have become so big that only computers can imagine them. For millennial hipsters who have already paid with not money for their educations and will go on to buy houses with not money, electric cars with not money and staycations with not money, the main problem is space. Flat and house sharing is a claustrophobic business and thousands of millennial hipsters are turning to astronautism to reconnect with the human desire to be alone. In the future, an economist says, that's now by the way, because this is the future, debt rather than credit will underpin all economic activity. Only those prepared to borrow relentlessly will be able to engage with the not-money society. Cracking Axminster It was only after 
18 months of fighting with Napoleon's French that British forces were finally able to remove the Rosetta Stone from its resting place in Cairo, Egypt, and repatriate it to the British Museum, London. Here, the stone, in which Latin, Greek and ancient Egyptian symbols appeared together, unlocked the secrets of the ancient world. The stone, beaming out its message that there are hidden messages in the world, has subsequently become a major attraction at London's British Museum, where it has occupied pride of place since 1802 next to the inscription captured in Egypt by the British Army in 1801. In 1830, two years after, a fire at the Axminster Carpet Factory put the company temporarily out of business, a young journeyman loom trusser called Thomas Trenchard arrived at the museum after walking from the small town in Devon which gave its name to the patent floor covering. Trenchard was captivated by the Rosetta Stone, and he resolved to embark on a mental journey that would make the 149.8-mile trek from Axminster to London look like an afternoon stroll. Convinced that Devon's Axminster carpets contained secret messages woven into the fabric by a group of occultist Devonian carpet weavers who had sent him on his journey to London while they restored the fire-torn factory and resumed production, Trenchard used the techniques he learned from his analysis of the Rosetta Stone to produce, in 1885, the first of a series of eight volumes decoding the symbols encoded in the carpet. To this day, by using Trenchard's Guide to the Algorithms of Axminster, specialists in carpet reading are able to decode carpets and rugs found in homes, hotel foyers and ferries. Experienced carpet linguists now say that the Axminster on the Fishguard to Rosslare ferry contains secret messages from a subterranean pixie-like species who live on butterfly wings and treacle. Today, now, in the future, 191 years after Trenchard first set foot on his epic journey, the true meaning of the carpets we all walk on is being fully understood. (laughs) 